Welcome to another edition of the Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. Uh, Comedian's Table, for those of you who don't know, every comedy venue has a table set aside for the comedians to sit around before or after during the show to uh, chat, catch up, BS, etc. So that my guests are... Dylan Reese. Mark Wheeler. Devin Flynn. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about last episode, audience members giving unsolicited advice. Does <laughs> <laughs> anyone have any other examples of that, that happening to you? Oh, there was this lady. There, she was a Caucasian lady. She came up to me at Nancio's. I told a joke about, uh, I said, I'm indigenous. And I'm unemployed, which is pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and she took offense to it. And she goes, I work with a lot of Native people. And I was like, oh, I just kind of tuned her out. I forget what she said, <laughs> but it was not helpful at all. <laughs> uh, one of the, the shows that I did where it was the, it was the amateur comics and it was a setup for uh, the top three were going to go and do the opening for one of the uh, stand-up for charities at the Kinsman Center. How long ago was this? Well, it was a number of years ago now, but it okay. was it was just, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you got seven or eight people who are testing out new material and trying stuff and, and trying to do their best. And it's legit. This one guy hammered out of his tree, comes up after the show, and it was just, it's, you know, none of you guys were actually particularly any good but you were the funniest of the lot. And it was that, I'm not sure that was a compliment. <laughs> but thank you very much, because I really don't feel like ending this night on a fight. Because in the past, almost anyone that wanted to do stand-up for charity just said, yeah, I'd like to. And you were on the show. But you had to compete for a spot? There was one, there was one where it was like, it was compete for a spot. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, okay. it was, it was, they were trying something different and I mean, I appreciated it because I mean, there was a point where I think they didn't want to have, you know, 12, uh, local openers and then do the hour, hour and a half with a professional comedian because it was the dinner, there was the whole evening out of it. So they had to keep it tight to a certain amount of people. And okay. I don't think there's ever been more there. There had never been more than five or six uh, local amateurs or, or local openers for the show um, because they also wanted to keep it, you know, it says you do a tight five minutes, maybe seven minutes, but that was that was it because most people were there to see who the headliner was and we were there as the warm-up. So it was, it was, yeah, there was a point where I guess there were too many people vying for too little space. Hmm. Mark, question. Answer, do Devin. <laughs> do you think comedy competitions bring out the best in comedians no elaborate um i'll ask the question <laughs> <laughs> uh, i did one show where there were there were people who uh had done tons of time on stages they they traveled they were taking this i don't want to say taking it seriously but they were making it like a like a side gig it was stand-up comedy without being paid. Um, and there were people who just wanted to give it a try. 
and I'm at the back of the room at the comedian's table and I'm just <laughs> pacing back and forth running my routine in my head because I don't want to, I, I mean, I write everything out. I write the whole thing out. I don't just get up and do joke, 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 yeah. joke. So you're that's, still putting an honest thing. effort. Yeah, but I'm also, I'm, I'm running my, my routine in my head and I'm just trying to remember it and get it down because I still get nervous in front of a crowd. And I'm hearing two or three of the competitors uh, not good-naturedly roasting people on stage, but just tearing this person down. And it's the, you know, can you believe that they're actually trying this? That's not funny. They shouldn't be here at all. They shouldn't be doing this. And it, and it was the, it, it brought out the worst in a couple of people. Um, the flip side of that is that I have heard it's, it's, I have also heard with, you know, like the amateur competition, somebody's gotten off the stage and there's been somebody, went, man, you killed it. That was, that was fantastic. You were on fire tonight. That was, that's one of the best I've heard this evening, but more often than not, because it's the competition, there are some people whose egos will not allow them to just enjoy the moment. And it's got to be, it's got to be, I've got to win. And for me to win, you have to lose. And I'm going to knock you down however I can. And I, I've, So like I, any other competition, there's always some people that take it too far, too seriously. Yeah, and I mean when it's when it's an amateur competition like what what has been done in Prince George, none of us are getting paid, uh, and maybe the winner is going on to open for somebody famous down the road, or you know next weekend at whatever venue you're at, or anything like this. But you're still not being paid past maybe getting a couple of free drinks. You might be getting a meal out of it. Why? Why get? so animated why get so vehement about somebody else who is trying to do the same when there's literally no money on the line i think that's just the that's not the nature of competition but that's the people who abuse it which isn't the majority of people because i think even the the one comedy contest that me and Chris Moore did, it was a lot of fun and everyone was super supportive. And uh, the the kid that won, I'm spacing on his name, but he it was his first time on stage as well. And that's fantastic. And that's when I've entered competitions, that's what I've hoped for and that's what I've wished for. And it's like if I've seen somebody who's made me laugh, I've got a rather boisterous laugh. You can hear me. So if you if I find it funny... I let fly. <laughs> I just think that it's one of those things that it existing and its overall presence is a good thing, but there are always in every system somebody that abuses it to make it a negative thing. And I mean, if you can just get past that or learn to compete with the over competitive person, <laughs> I mean, good sportsmanship. I, I'm, yeah. But I mean, that should, I mean, good sportsmanship that would work with any kind of competition. It doesn't necessarily mean just comedy. And I, th and I think with, I have seen more of it with the fragile ego of a performer than I have with anything else. I think there's almost, I would almost argue there's more fragility in the egos in comedy being a creative art form there. Sportsmanship, you know, uh, everybody's training 
more or less in the same way, I would say. You know, it's a speed, endurance, strength. Comedy is yeah, it, it, by nature subjective, so it's really hard to say, you know, oh, this person's not as good. It's like, well, that's just that's that's literally your opinion. Yeah, but I mean, and again, it's like, that's what I was getting at. I I haven't experienced it, but I also haven't seen or heard about it outside of like the amateur comedy scene kind of a thing. Um, I would love to be able to have competitions where, I mean, it's a complete collaborative effort. Like once the show is over and the winner has been picked, it could be you get together with people. And as was brought up, it's the, okay, let's discuss how maybe that joke fell flat or that routine. Or <laughs> have you thought about, have you thought about, because I mean, the idea is really good. Have you thought about turning it on its ear and doing it this way? Mm. Do you remember when we did that one time? There was me, I think you were there, John White, and maybe one other comedian. Just doing feedback and... We went to the Tim Hortons on Central, near 5th, and we basically said, what are you working on? Yeah. Right, and I have this, I have this joke, and like, how about doing it this way? Apparently, uh, there was like a, a small group of comedians in Vancouver that used to do that. I'm talking Dan Quinn, Dave Nystrom, Damon Schritter... Uh, you know, guys like that, they were, you know, and they, you know, Erica Sigurdsson. Well, that's what we were saying too from the previous uh, radio show here is that I'm of the opinion it should be people you trust, people who are somewhat experienced. You know, you can still get good advice from somebody who's completely new. Somebody can throw you a good tag, but somebody who also understands and knows your voice, kind of what you are going for. So it's their opinion, but on something that will fit you. They're not just cramming a square-shaped block into a circle-shaped hole. I, I would, Insert innuendo here. I would take that <laughs> uh, a, a more vague approach. As, the, as long as it is it is honest and uh, positive feedback, even if it's somebody who's completely new, they could still have a perspective on it that you hadn't thought about. And whether you decide to use it is entirely up to you. But if it's if it's an honest of... You know, hey, Devin, that joke was great. You got a good laugh on it. Have you thought about maybe doing it this way? It's it's not somebody trying to tear down your writing or your humor. Yeah, it's their you intention. Know? That's it's, why I yeah. wouldn't write off true new, uh, new um, cr- or critiques from newbies or uh, somebody who's not a comedian. But is their intention good? Is it no, that's what, constructive yeah, feedback? You're right. It all comes down to the intent behind it. Okay. But even as far as that feedback goes somebody gives you a feedback on something you don't know whether that's good feedback until you take it out in practice take it to the stage you have to go try it and whatnot so it's like what you decide to filter as from advice or whatever really depends on how it's still going through you only it's, anything oh, oh of course so it, it's always great to you know listen to everything or whatever but there is a point where it's just like no 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 i'm gonna do me and do it how i want to do it but your experience you're building they're helping you build that filter with all their their input oh yeah no just because you've been given a piece of advice doesn't mean you have to take it by any means but there is a difference between somebody coming up and going that was really funny but it it, have you thought of not it might be better if you do this but have you thought about telling it this way or adding the like the twist to it and and making the twist a little bit more outrageous there's there's an honesty to that that you go, well, no, maybe I didn't think of that. No, doesn't mean you have to use it. Because yeah, like you said, that goes through your style and your filter. 
but if somebody was to come up and and offer that to you and what I was more working on is is that if you're with people that you trust or you're with people if it's a professional like like Dan Quinn, Damon Schritter, Erica Sigurdsson, those kind of people if if you ask their opinion on something and they give it back to you and they're giving you an um uh, like an earnest or a well thought out answer they're not trying to shoot you down and they're not trying to make you something you aren't i would i would trust the fact that somebody who's been in the game for this long and is making somewhat of a living at it um is trying to help a fellow comedian I can understand that. That you know? being said, there, I think there's a certain point where you have to be honest with yourself, whatever their intentions are. If you take something and you're trying it, like you'd mentioned, you got to practice it at, in the end. There may be a point where you look at something that was either partially constructed by somebody else or all on your own and go, is this working? You know, I made nine out of 10 or nine out of 10 shows. It worked. Or right. one out of 10 shows. It worked. And you have to be brutally honest with yourself and retire a joke it, it's really hard to do sometimes to go no no i'm gonna make it work versus i need to stop telling that joke it's just not i don't know why and maybe seek out feedback so which was why i was surprised to hear that you wouldn't you're reluctant to give advice to your to your friend chris chris moore i just uh, i feel like you know we're very <clears throat> different we do talk about pretty well everything we have going on and we go through our what we're writing and whatnot and if if there is something legitimately funny i you know i'll laugh and and tell him but a lot of times it's hard to like i i don't i don't want to give my opinion on what he's making because that's his voice and i want him to do it his way whereas even then I've had people would be like, well, what if you just worded this this way or you made this like little tag here? And I've been like, ah, that's just not how I would say it. If you were talking on a stylistic or like how to hold your mic or how to, to address certain people or the way to speak or th- that's all really great. But as soon as you come down to like what you are crafting, I think it's only really good if it's really you. And, and of course, like everybody, everybody giving you, it, I think that all just goes into life experience, though. The same thing as I could take advice from you that I've met you here and now. I could hear something on on a TV show or radio and be like, oh, I could take bits of that and use that to grow who I, who, what my voice is or who I am. Well, technical advice is a little hardier, like Mark was saying. I'm more inclined to trust somebody who's been doing comedy for 20 years, and especially if they're telling me technical information. But when it comes to creativity, which, as I mentioned before, is very subjective... Um, Take it with a grain of salt. And I'd say the same with your friend. If you want to give him some advice or a suggestion or a tag, uh, do so. And then leave the ball in his court. If he wants to run with it, cool. If not, no harm. So don't feel bad about yeah, you're offering not, some Yeah, you're not writing his routine for him. And you're not telling him that he's got to give up uh, who he is. Um, I mean, you know, we we did a joke earlier or in the previous show about a prop comic. It's like telling a prop comic to lose the props. No, but I mean, it's like, okay, you've got that prop. Have you thought about hitting an audience member with it? Yeah. You know, if it's the, if it's the giant inflatable wand, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's a thought. It's, it's a, it's an honest way of going, I love what you did, 
I'm not saying this makes it better. I'm saying, have you thought about it yeah. from a different point of view or a different perspective? Well, I think I agree with doing that. And I think that's a con- constructive thing to help. And and that might be where Brian was going with that is because the way it came across was that you didn't want to say anything for fear of uh, your friend losing his voice or making him more like you or whatever, however that path was going to travel. I just wouldn't want it to... Um to deter him from to from doing something that that w- might have worked out like i i don't feel like i have i have i haven't been around long enough to give any advice at all well this 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 is more along the lines of something that has already been performed yeah this isn't this isn't i'm not going to sit down and write your jokes for you this is the if he was to come to you and go i've got this and i've written this this anecdote this story this joke what do you think that's one way of doing it. But if he's performed it on stage and only got a middling laugh or something out of it, then you could, if it's like, hey, I saw you perform it. I thought you got a decent laugh out of it. It might work better if you pause, if you put the twist in a different place. It's You're not telling him how to do his act. You're trying to help him think of a different way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like Devin said, if you've killed nine mm-hmm. out of ten times, you may not want to retire the joke, but you can evolve it as well. Yeah. And comedy being such a vulnerable art form, um, you're going to have to take risks. Like, just keep that in mind. Sometimes you're going to have to take, you may not want to take as much a risky decision. Sometimes just go for it. I mean, that it, means in you haven't the had form your first bomb yet, have you? <laughs> not, not really. I've, I've had some like very, quiet, quiet audiences but i didn't like totally bomb the entire show but as far as the advice goes like if, if chris came to me and was like well, what do you think about all this i'd be like hey man let's go find a place to try it i'd be like let's let's go find an open mic or whatever like let's let's yeah. go try it right now like, yeah let's yeah. go i'd be like i don't know whether to tell you it's good or not but i'll tell you once we're up there what if you know if it was bad <laughs> well i mean and but also if he comes to you with something and it's like be the same with you going to him it's like i'm thinking of doing this What's your opinion? What do you think about it? Then it's like, okay, well, you've asked me. But, I mean, you're in a unique situation that you two are already friends. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's not uh, I'm coming at you and I'm, I'm going to make your set suck more so that I sound better. You know what I mean? Well, which which I goes might back, do that. We'll see if he starts really <laughs> taking off without me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, that goes back to the, it's like, yeah, that's what I hate about. Yeah, I no, think that's where I had mentioned before about audience members coming up and giving you unsolicited advice. Yeah. You know what? There's a chance it could be helpful, but I think yeah. a lot of the times it's, they just want to feel like they're contributing when actually they're not. They're yeah. just saying things and wanting to feel an additional part of the show. If like they were, if they were actually funny, they'd be on the stage. Yeah, yeah. actually. And stand-up is a very unique art form in that way because I've been on stage in, in productions, like in plays, and if somebody comes up after the show and says, wow, you guys, you made me laugh, or it was like you made me think or you made me cry, that is, an, that, that is a fantastic response to get. Because if you're in a production where you're, it's like you've got to memorize all your lines, you're doing all this stuff, and if you've got to go out and go, hey, so what did you think? You're not going to get yeah, a yeah. valid response to anything because you've, you've now put somebody on the spot. Whereas in stand-up, more people are going to come up to you than you having to go ask somebody something. So that's what, make, that's what makes it unique as a performance because I don't think, I don't think even 
not being able to play an instrument. I don't think bands experience that. I don't think somebody comes up, you know what? You think that would work better if the guitar solo moved over here, you know? And I was like, I don't, I don't think music acts get that. Yeah. So I think is stand-up is a something people, everyone think like I they're think, capable of doing it as well. I think in one small form or another, there's somebody going, yeah, I could do that and I could do it better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. it. <laughs> yeah. You get up in front of a crowd of strangers. Yeah. So yeah, that lends a lot to the unsolicited advice. Thinking, yeah. Hmm. Because again, you've got people who are going, I can get up and tell a joke. Okay, now get up and tell a joke that you wrote, not something you heard. Yeah. The thing, thing is, like even still being so new, I'm learning what crowds react to and what they don't. <laughs> Maybe the way, you know, I've made a couple of jokes. I'm like, that's funny. That's that's clever and funny. And then I told it and I was like, ooh, I delivered that in a way that it wasn't funny. So it's like just learning what people react to and stuff is a is a huge part of it. Because like, who knows, anyone, as long as they had the um, um, steel to get up there and, and talk, it's like, yeah, they could be funny. I know a lot of funny people that's never held a microphone. And to go along with Devin's it killed 9 out of 10 or 1 out of 10, a joke that kills in the 7 o'clock show will lay an egg at the 9 o'clock show. The exact same joke, the exact yep. same delivery, because the audience is different. I've heard yep. that from professionals. It just means don't rest on your laurels and always, always, always be reading the room and be yeah. ready to adapt. And sometimes you just won't know why. You know, you'll understand that uh, you've practiced a set and it's yeah, very well practiced and you know it's funny, but sometimes you'll just get thrown for a loop yep. and go, huh, wonder what I could do differently. Do your best to figure out why and or how and I've had the next that, time. I've had that happen. I had a joke that the first time like at the at the the competition, uh, I got a bunch of good feedback. Everybody laughed like really hard at it. And then uh, I tried it again a couple of times after that and it's been tepid at best <laughs> like the the other thing is is that it also depends on the night of the week yeah yeah because i mean a friday night crowd i've been at work all week make me laugh yeah saturday night saturday night crowd is the you know what i'm into my weekend i'm relaxed i'm ready to go and so they're more open to certain things yeah that makes and it's sense. like and for, you know like the sunday to thursday crowd is varying varying degrees of the you know, can we get this over with? I got to get up and go to work in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I want to be entertained, so I'm open to that, but I'm on the clock. Makes there's sense. Also, there's also a threshold for, honestly, just how long a show goes for. Oh, yeah. So you can be pulling out your A-list jokes, but if that show is going on three hours, people are ready to go home. Does anyone They're remember uh, people walking out on Simon King here in Prince George? Not no. any of the time. When, it might have been when Alex McKenzie brought him up. It's not any of the times that yeah. I've seen him. Was that when he performed at the Amanika Performing Arts Center? Uh, no, it was the the big theater, the Playhouse. Oh, people walked out on that. On Simon, because Simon, Get he, out. he he's got a wealth of material. Oh yeah, and he can go forever. Then apparently he just he just went too long. Hmm. Uh, some people can do that. Patrick Malia has walk audiences. Just because he goes on, yeah, but too he, long. <laughs> he's done marathon runs of things as well too, like literal marathons, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. uh, I know. Uh, how many years ago was it? They were doing a charity drive, and it was like twenty four hours of stand up, and Simon 
went on for like hours and hours and hours. And I just I can't remember what the show was for. I just remember I remember the, the ads for it on Facebook. I think Graham Clark was part Graham of it. Graham Clark, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I would be genuinely always, curious to ask them what, what sort of, maybe not feedback, because I don't plan on doing that anytime soon, but, some, <laughs> but no, like what advice they would give to somebody else who wants to do a marathon. Like how, how, does, how is it different? I wonder what they would have to say. I would love to say pacing, but I mean, <laughs> Lord knows, because I mean, Simon can do two hours of material in 65 minutes. You know? I mean, I think the longest I've ever done is like an hour 20. And that's, it's not a marathon, but it, no. it feels like. You got to start somewhere. There's a long there's, time. There's a fantastic uh, anecdote about uh, starting out comics and amateur comedians. It's like, it says, how much time you got? So I got about an hour and a half. How much of it is good? About 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that just comes with practice, practice, oh, yeah. practice. Yeah. You know, that first five minutes then you build another five minutes and then throw in some crowd work practiced crowd work and those five minutes and i wouldn't even say build it by five minutes i would just add to the add to the five minutes with another two minutes another minute another however long and just keep building yeah um sunny dollywall told me to get a nice five minutes and then once you've polished it get another five minutes (laughs) (laughs) man no i wouldn't just build on the five don't you can do that as well like there, here's the thing there's no two ways up the mountain yeah no yeah. it's everybody's own journey that, right that is, yeah i mean everybody is infinitely different there might be style choices that are the same but i mean you're talking about crowd work you know sunny dolly wall i mean it's like you just spent an hour talking to the crowd i mean and it was funny how do how, how do you do that <laughs> that's, I mean, I will, that's where i want to go well no but but that's what i mean right and it's like but you've also got comics who will acknowledge the crowd but won't talk to them yeah and that hour is hilarious so i mean that's it's again part of the art form yeah. it's like every you've got four comics of varying degrees sitting at this table now and you've got four completely different styles yeah so just one last question for each of you when you're up on stage talking is it a monologue or is it a dialogue meaning a dialogue with the audience anyone easily mine for now has been a monologue i get my jokes that i work on and then i do them and i kind of don't even pay attention to the crowd i'm just trying to get the jokes out practice i think when i was doing it it was more of an 80 20 80 percent monologue 20 percent crowd because when you get a certain reaction then like if this person over here bursts out laughing you talk to them for a second or two or it's like, you know, thanks. Thanks very much. I wrote that one just for you. <laughs> and then you move along kind of thing. It's not, it's not a true dialogue with, with the audience. I think in the same vein as Mark there, it's, uh, however you want to split it. The dialogue is still rehearsed. It just seems like it's one-on-one and then it's off the cuff, but it's still incorporating, you know, my set into the conversation so I can lead up to the next joke. And then sometimes it is genuinely a dialogue depending on the audience. I could literally be talking to them and have it be organic. It depends on the night. Hmm. <clears throat> I would, I would, I still consider mine a monologue because I'm the one on stage. I'm the one with the light shining on me. I'm the one 
with the microphone, the amplified microphone, and I'm elevated. I'm the one that people have flown me up to, you know, Yellowknife for. <laughs> you had to get humble that in there again, didn't you? <laughs> you could call Devin on that humble brag earlier. You're the worst one for it. Hey, this is a big deal. It's, it's a big deal to me. <laughs> and how's that screenplay coming along? It's on hold for now. <laughs> uh, but this has been the Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFIS FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. Tonight, my guests were... Dylan Reese. Mark Wheeler. Devin Flynn. Thank you for listening and listen on Spotify. <laughs>